Amen. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> How are you? Good. Well, I'm um, yeah, it's good to be able to share the word this morning. And um, glad that you are the ones the Lord has chosen to hear it. Amen. Don't know what it's going to be now, is it? It's like, oh, why has the Lord chosen this on me? Um, if you've got your Bibles, then uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 15 or on your apps, whatever it is. I don't know if. Uh, it might come up when, uh, I don't know what Dan's doing. He's gone to the loo. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read it and then I want to give you what I think is the title this morning. Um, and, uh, and I think this is good news. I was just thinking in the worship that this may be a word for you or it may be a word for you that you need to be equipped to give to someone else or to share with someone else because I think that um, it's really important that we understand what I'm going to share this morning, because it affects our lives, it affects our eternal life. So, it's, you know, that must be important, mustn't it? So, I'm going to read, it's, uh, as I said, it's Matthew 15, verses 1 to uh, 20. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat? He answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honour your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honour his father and mother. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah say of you when he said, The people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you still also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So, um, my title this morning is is not a very well-constructed one, not like the last one that I ripped off someone else. But this one is, true Christian faith starts from the heart. Okay? And what I'm implying there is that there is a Christian faith, in inverted commas, that's portrayed as Christianity or as faith in God, but it is not. It's death. And it's blindness. And it robs people of life. And, um, and we see this in this passage. And just to remind you, these Pharisees and these scribes, 
They were learned people of the law. They understood Moses, or the teaching of Moses. And, uh, and they, would, they traveled all the way to where Jesus was in order to crit- critique him and criticize and to judge him. And, you know, we saw that the last time I spoke, when we talked about the, the, the man who was let down through the roof. You know, they opened up the roof, didn't they? And they were, in their hearts, they were criticizing Jesus. You know, how can you do this? And, and so they've come to Jesus and they're, they've seen the, the um, disciples eating and they hadn't washed their hands. And so they're pointing out, you know, they're breaking the tradition. They're looking at what people are doing and they're judging their righteousness based on their activity. And, but what they, would, um, what they were actually particularly criticising them was nothing to do with the, the law of Moses. It was the commandments or the laws and the traditions that... These legal people, these lawyers and these um, uh, Pharisees and so forth had created on top of the law. And, um, and it's so, on, on the one hand, we see that there's this um, view of the, the Christian life which is primarily judging the external. And then what we see later on when Jesus starts to teach is saying, no, the Christian life is one of the internal. It's something of the heart. And so this is where we're going. So they were interested to look at the outside and they had created these traditions and some of them were quite good. And uh, an illustration that came up was, which I thought was quite good, you know when you, uh, when you got a small baby and then you, you get that kind of muzzing cloth, don't you, and you put it over because the sun's, you know, that stopped the shade. And so you just kept on layering on these tiny, thin little cloths, laying them on, and you had about 140 on. In the end, you suffocate the child, right? And that was a bit like what they did was. Some of these things were quite good. It's quite good to wash your hands before you eat. It's quite good hygiene. But they would lay on and lay on and lay on. In the end, they were killing people. And even themselves, Jesus says that they are like whitewashed um, tombs. You know, look good on the outside, but inside, full of death. And, um, and we see this summary as, as Jesus quotes Isaiah. He says, This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Essentially, they, and this is, where, this is the heart of the matter, literally. They, their hearts were far from God. And they had elevated their own ideas above even the commands of God. And this is, I'm trying to think of like, what's a good way of just saying this? And so the only thing I can settle on is that there is, there is religion without power and then there is relationship with Jesus. Okay? So I know that sometimes our Bibles might talk about pure and undevoted religion is this. You know, and religion is not a bad word, but I'm just using that word as a, I think that might be a way in which we can understand the, the difference. So they created these own traditions, but not only did they create their own traditions, so Jesus gives an example. He's saying the, the command of God says is that you should honour your mother and your father, but you've created a tradition which is essentially a loophole. You've, it's, a, it's a workaround, so you don't have to provide for your parents and in part of your honour of using what you've earned to give and to support your parents in their old age, you're saying, no, if that's, I'm going to give that to the Lord. That means that you don't now have to follow that law. It's a loophole. And we all like loopholes, especially when it comes to tax and things like that, don't we? 
You know, or maybe we like loopholes because we know that God asks us, requires us to do something, but if we can wangle our way out of it in some kind of way that to justify our, essentially, our disobedience from what God is asking us to do, if it makes us feel better, if I can just, if you look at it from this angle, we can get out of it. And that's what they were doing. They would do all sorts of things. And and there was one uh, where you may know on the Sabbath, they weren't allowed to travel. They weren't allowed to work. That was the Sabbath law. But they had this new law that if you owned a plot of land certain distance away, let's just say it was a mile away, on the Sabbath, you're allowed to travel to your own property. So what they would do is they would pay people to take a toothbrush or some implement was theirs and go and hide it under a rock. So that for them, it justified the fact that that, because the law was, it's your place if something of yours dwells there. So they would hide a toothbrush under a rock a mile away and then they would get someone to put a toothbrush another mile away. And so they'd be able to walk two miles on the Sabbath. And um, it was this loophole, the way the Jews, these um, Pharisees and so forth, got around the law, essentially not wanting to follow the law but have some kind of um, look as though they are. And, um, And Jesus... If there's anything about Jesus, you know, you know the Jesus that's so kind and lovely and wonderful, uh, but when he deals with these Pharisees, he's not. You know, you hypocrites, well does Isaiah prophesy of you, he says, but in Matthew 23, um, you can turn to it if you'd like to, um, but I'm just going to read. So the whole chapter pretty much is, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you, um, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You know, woe to you. In the, in the first um, 12 verses, 10 verses, um, it says, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seats. This is what Jesus is telling the people. So do and observe what they tell you, but not the works that they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad. That was something that they used to wear and it was the, uh, stuff like this, and their fringes long, and it was a big display in their clothing. And they love the place of honour at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you're all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven." Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, instructor, the Christ. And the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And he goes on, woe to you scribes and Pharisees. You can, you can read that. Jesus doesn't treat kindly these religious folk. Saying, you know, it's all about these burdens, these traditions that you're putting on, you're weighing people down and you're not even willing to do it yourself. You're turning up at church and you're doing all the great, wonderful things, but inside there's nothing going on. It's all a show. You just want to have all the patting on the back and the, oh, you know, great to see you here again and things like that. You know, you do, you're here when you want to get, you know, to do the, some of the great jobs and things like that. Wonderful. This is what he's saying. But inside, your heart is far from me. 
So Jesus is quite strong. See, they do the stuff that makes it look like they're following after God, but they don't realise, as Jesus said, they are blind. He says this um, in verse 14, let them alone, they are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. See, maybe they were at some point in some element of faith, but have moved into this kind of religiosity. They're proud people, proud of their self-righteousness, and this pride stops them from being humble, honest, truthful. They'd rather fake it because it's easier that way for them. And people who are religious are happy to continue in sin. How many of those Pharisees would criticise Jesus, see him do miracles, hear the gospel, and then they walk away just as dead as they were when they walked in? Read the stories. This is what Jesus is dealing with. And it's, they're happy with their sin. They're happy with the small sins. They justify the small sins which always lead to greater sins, always lead to a greater insensitivity to sin because they're not really bothered about what's going on inside. They're just bothered about doing the stuff that looks good, that looks right. Yeah? This gets better, by the way, everyone. You're looking really glum. And this is the, this is the biggest problem. See, with these guys, they were in a position of, of uh, responsibility. So Jesus didn't take kindly to them because they were leading people in their blindness. But what about us? You see, the, the real issue, I think, is that when we get caught up in, the, in all the kind of fakery of Christian life, just going along with what looks right, we rob ourselves of the greatest joy that the gospel gives us, don't we? Knowing Jesus. It's like we, we I mean, who wants to just be going about doing the stuff without the heart relationship? You know, if as soon as, if we get caught up in this religiosity, this external focus and this lying to ourselves, essentially, we lose the real joy of knowing Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, people do that in churches. I'm sure no one in here. But it happens. People are living a lie and then suddenly it all comes out in the open. And you think, how, you know, how did we not know? Because it's so easy to live a lie. And so the Christian faith is a relationship with the heart. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth. This is where he's saying, look, these guys have got it all wrong. He's saying, and he's making this point, it's what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a person. Or you could say this, if you really want to know a person if you really want to know their heart, listen to what they speak and look at how they act. So this might sound like a contradiction. It's like, yeah, but we've got to act differently. But there's a different way of looking at these things. The Pharisees, you could say, were trying to put laws on to conform from the external to make someone be something. Jesus would come along and deal with the internal that we would be transformed from the inside out. That's Romans chapter 12, isn't it? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed in your heart. We need a new heart. And what do we mean by heart? The heart is the real me, it's a real you, it's the command centre of your life, it's who you really are. You know, when someone says, you know, they really opened up 
to me, often what we mean is they opened up their heart to me. They, they revealed themselves to me. It was warts and all. I really felt as though they weren't putting a facade in front. They shared their heart. You know, um, they wear their heart on their sleeve. We mean it's like they're, they're pretty much who they are. Um, and when someone has a broken heart, it's like the very core of their being is just, is just so, well, broken and hurting in our very in it affects everything of our life because our heart is the core of us it is it is the us it is the real me and relationship with Jesus is heart to heart amen that's why like achieving perfection by the things and trying to do well and trying to you know be religious in that sense never changes the heart because we weren't built that way J. John famously said, I, think, I don't know who he was quoting, but I always remember him saying it. He said, the heart of the problem is a problem with the heart. The heart of the problem with our society is a problem with the human heart. And so much is focused on what we're expressing, but it doesn't focus on who we are in our hearts. See, they, they were not interested in true worship of God, the Pharisees. They were interested in external things, of status, position, privilege, building up their self-righteousness. But the Christian faith is worship from the heart expressed through our lives. And I think we know the difference. I think we know the difference because if you're turning up and you're coming into whatever context of church or with your friends or, and you know that you're hiding your true self, you're not being real with the people around you. You're not being... Now, let me just qualify that, if that's the word. There's a time and the place for sharing intimate details. So I'm not talking about, you know, that you should be sharing your intimate, in-depth troubles and difficulties with every person you meet. What I'm talking about is, are you just trying to fake your way? Am I just trying to fake it? It's because basically I'm proud. And if I'm real with people in the right context then actually, do you know what? That's, that's me being me. And that's humility. That's real life. It's like recognising, you know, yeah, I'm not 100% perfected in Christ, just so you know. But, you know, my heart is my heart wanting Jesus. Do I want the real thing? And am I being open or am I faking it? See, they were offended, it says. The Pharisees were offended. So he says, do you know, this is verse 12, Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying. That's a big thing today, isn't it? You know, you can't offend anyone anymore, what well, Jesus did. Interestingly, he offended the religious lot. And he says this, look, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. And there's a parable of the tares, Matthew 13. It talks about, um, you know, where someone sowed wheat and then someone, the enemy came along and sowed tares and you don't know the difference until it's full grown. And one day there'll be a big judgment and all the tares will be taken out, but they look very similar. That was the point. He says, um, one day um, what God has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone, they are blind guides and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. See, I was thinking about that and I was thinking, does God, Jesus not care about them? 
And, that, and that's, that's not what he means. It's, he's not saying, I don't care about the religious folk, but they have plenty of opportunity to see the truth. And he's turning his attention to those people who would be deemed the sinners, you know, the ones that they don't want to associate with. And he's saying, do you know what? There's the gospel message here. There's a good news here. Do you know what? It is so good that it's not about being religious. It is so good that it's, that it's not about trying to be some kind of person who does all the stuff and ticks all the boxes, does all the laws and follows all the traditions because not one of us would be able to do it. And the good news is, is that Jesus comes to change our hearts. Amen? You with me on that? And so here's the thing. And this is why I say to you, my, either this is a message for you or you need to tell someone about this. Um, because as, when, as soon as we become like the Pharisees and the scribes, we rob ourselves of the joy of being free in the presence of God and being free in our hearts, that I am who I am before God. And even it says, um, we'll be going to this a bit later, it says that even if I sin, I can come to Jesus and he will forgive me. And he'll say, now get up and get going again. It's not about perfection. It's about reality. I know where I am at with the Lord. And that's a joy. That's freedom. It's like, because it's about my heart. He's interested in my heart. He's interested in your heart, the real you, warts and all. That's what he died for. Not this facade of, of self-righteousness. And so it's not about works. It's, a, it's you know, if you're willing to sin and to hide sin, then you're a Pharisee, basically. That's what they did. When it's about your heart, we want to be done with sin because it affects our relationship with God, doesn't it? And Jesus wanted to teach the people that it's not, you know, what really is the change? Do we need to just do different things or do we need a change of heart? He's saying, listen, if you want to know what defiles a man, it's what starts in the heart. Elsewhere in John, he says, um, he needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. He knew that man had a heart problem. And, the, and uh, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so there are evil thoughts that come from our heart. Murder, which is hate. Adultery, which is lust as well. Sexual morality, theft, false witness. In Mark 7, he talks about coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, pride, foolishness. And you'll notice in these three things is things of the mind. It's things of our actions, it's things of our words, all come out of our heart. And so if there's a problem in those areas in your life, what's the solution? Do better? Or you go to the Lord and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. That's the gospel. It's like you can't change yourself. I can't change myself. If there are things that are going on in my mind, if I'm make, saying stupid things, if I'm, if I'm doing things that I regret, the change needs to be, God, you, will you change my heart? Now, of course, I need to be in obedience to him, but it's that way round, isn't it? We need a new heart. You know, um, say David said, create in me a clean heart, that's Psalm 51.10, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, What's this? 
um, just trying to remember the, Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, I will give you a soft heart. See, there's no external discipline that can change your heart. There's no external discipline. In other words, there's no works that you can do if you can tick your box and get your works done. Now, this is, this is where we, it's, we get this fine line. I'm going to say some stuff now that might surprise you. No, uh, like reading your Bible and praying every day on the basis that you think that those two acts are going to change your way thinking without you engaging your heart no turning up at meetings without you engaging your heart with the Lord will ever change you. So when you're picking up the Bible, you're saying, Lord, change my heart. I want to engage you from my heart, not my mind, not because I'm doing this activity. I'm just getting through the words because I'm ticking off doing my daily reading. It's, Lord, will you change my heart? When you come to church and you sit here and you come and you take that moment and say, Lord, I want to open my heart to you. I need some heart surgery I need some change of heart. I don't, I'm not in this just to do it because this is what we do every week. Yeah, you understand the difference. So there's still an activity, but the, the, it comes from the heart. And I was just thinking, maybe there's someone here or someone listening or someone that you know that you could share this with. And, and this is what they say, you know, do you know what? I really would love to follow Jesus, but it's just too hard for me. I just can't do it. I can't do, I can't carry the expectation of to be a good person. And I love telling people that the Christian life is not about being good. It's not a moral religion. It's a relationship with Jesus who changes us in the heart. See, the heart, if the heart is the command centre of our life, that's where we need the change. Paul says in, in Romans, he said, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Because he just could not do it. As he's writing in this, in this um, I, I think it's, it's not him speaking from his life as it is, but he's portraying this legalism. He's like, I'm trying to do what's right and I just can't do it. And he says, who can deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. And what he's referring to is a torture technique, um, as understand, where they would strap a dead body to you, and as it rotted, it rotted your skin until you died. They were really interesting ways of torture, didn't they, back in the day? And that's what he means. Who can deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, praise God, Jesus Christ. There's no other way that we can be saved but by Jesus coming and doing it in our hearts. And this is what happens. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, he says, that Jesus came to deliver us from an unclean heart. You see, if, if, if you're willing to lay down every sin, every loophole that you've brought into your understanding of, Christi of the Christian faith, if you're willing to sell it all aside, Jesus can come and clean your heart. You know, the things that come into our mind that you're struggling to, I just can't stop thinking in that, in that way. The answer is the heart. So it's been willing to be open up, 
It's been willing to be honest with God. You know, James 5, verse 16 says, confess your sins one to another. You know, as soon as we allow sin to fester and, you know, we just allow it to, um, you know, it's all right. The Lord doesn't mind that. You know, we create another little loophole with our sins. You know, will you allow Jesus to come and forgive you of your sin and wash you in the blood of Jesus? That's the gospel, isn't it? You know, I'm so glad that if something is bothering me, I, I can go to Jesus and he's the one that deals with it and I'm the one that obeys. He does the heart, I work it out. Not I'm working it out without the heart. Never going to work. Never going to work. Or maybe you're a disappointed believer. So you know that, you know, you love the Lord, you, you know, you, you're in it for real, but you're disappointed with yourself because you know that there's thoughts that come in or you do things and you think, I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, you're just struggling from, from you know, you go through your mountain tops and then when you hit the valley, it all goes to pot. And you just want to live up on the mountain, but no one lives on the mountain. We have to get down into the valley again and then we see what we're made of and we realise we just can't do it. You know, you're trying to get better and you're trying harder and harder, but actually what you fail to do is realise that you just need to come, and this might sound an oversimplification, but essentially it starts here of coming and being honest before the Lord, saying, Lord, I need you to change my heart. You know, we feel like we messed up time and time again, and all we want to do is someone could just pray for me and make it all go away. And it's like, no, do you know what? You need to daily come, bring your heart before the Lord, create in me a clean heart, Lord, and be obedient to God. Lord, help me. Even if for the, every day you got up and you said, God, just open up my heart to you again. Help me, Lord, change my heart. Make me like you, you know? We can't work our way to changing our hearts. But the cry must go out. And there's, there's three things that came to my mind I, that this must be personal experience for me anyway. You know, the way in which we work our way out is for the first thing is, is that I go to guilt. Have you ever done that? You just allow guilt to fester. It's like, yeah, I messed up there. And you just, you just guilt straight away comes in. And then you have a choice. Do you let that fester and grow and bother you? Because in some way, there's a part of you that feels like you've got to be, that's part of your repentance somehow, or you know, it's penance. If I can just beat myself up a bit, I can participate in making myself better. And when it's nothing, and so we have to get out of guilt because there's no condemnation in Christ. Or oh, there's despondency. It's because, oh, I just can't do it anymore. I just don't know whether it's possible anymore. And you get down and then you realise, actually, that's the sin of unbelief because you're saying that Jesus isn't able to change you. Or then there's self-pity, which is basically selfishness. But the cry goes, oh, God, forgive me, create me a clean new heart, renew a right spirit in me. That's what David did. And Grace says, I'm going to come again to the feet of Jesus and do you remember um, when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, that phrase from Tim Keller, aggressive grace. You know, all God is looking for is even just that little kernel of, Lord, just change me, I repent. And, and Jesus is there, 100% wanting to wash us. Now it's like, right, okay, now get up and start again. 
Get up and start again. Stop willowing and wallowing in your guilt. It's going to do you any good. Aggressive grace. Come and find freedom, release, forgiveness. But this is the thing I want to put it that really was the core of my heart. There are two ways in which we can live what we call the Christian faith. And one is all works. You can create a burden for your back. You can just be caught up in the things that you're doing and think that's it. And your heart can be completely separate from God. And if someone said to you, do you know Jesus? You wouldn't be able to answer. Or there's the reality of the Christian faith, which is heart-driven, knowing Jesus, spending time with him, aware of his presence, And it's that life here may not look as good as that life, but that life is real. That's what I want anyway. um, John reminds us, says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So you can't, be free from sin and continuing sin at the same time. So, is there any sin that needs to be dealt with? It's not about doing better, it's not a, but it's about humbling ourselves before God and allowing him access to my heart. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know that Satan wants you to work for your rest. Jesus invites you to rest and to work out of your rest. The gospel is rest, isn't it? Peace with God. And you may have people even point out to you, oh, you're not, you know, you're not perfect. No, I'm not. No, but I'm resting in the Lord because he knows my heart and he's changing my heart. That's why most of the world's religions are works-based. I think it's only, personally, I don't know the details, but I think it's only the grace of God, the, the true Christian faith, which is grace-driven. So we need to let Jesus deal with our hearts. We've got to find rest in him and the burden, the responsibility of Christians, I think is simple. And here are a few things that we can do from that place of rest, okay? So the first thing is, are you heart-driven? You have an open heart. Are you being honest? Being honest with yourself? Are you being honest with God? Are you being honest with those that you, that you live with, that you love, that know that you're a Christian? Um, are you being someone with an open heart? And then when we, we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm resting in you, um, I know I need to change. I don't think there's anyone here who does not need to change. But I know I need to change and I know that you need to change it from my heart. And this is what I'm going to do in response to that. I'm going to feed my heart with scripture. I'm going to strengthen my heart through worship and praise. I'm going to share my heart in fellowship with other believers. So important. We don't allow things just You know, we're so ashamed that we don't speak to anyone. We hide behind a facade. And yet we're in a family that loves us. But it happens. 
So we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit continually. We guard our hearts from temptation and persecution and legalism through trusting in him. And we follow our hearts um, in obedience to him. Amen. Here's the, here's the big question. So what about you? Maybe this is for you or maybe it's, you need to tell someone about this gently and lovingly. The, the gospel is that we can be free because Jesus comes to change the hearts. He can do what we cannot do. And any workspace, any kind of facade, any kind of what looks like the Christian life is just robbing us from that joy, isn't it? So I want to pray really that, um, I mean this is again, this foundational stuff. It's stuff that we need to just live. But with the Galatian church, um, Paul said to me, he said, um, what was it he said? Let Let me quote it. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before, this is chapter three, before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit and now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law, by hearing of faith? And he goes on. In other words, they started well when they slipped into legalism. So there's a challenge there, isn't it? Is, are you slipping into this, you know, follow these laws, I do the things, but your heart is so far from the Lord. So let's be heart-driven, amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the gospel that says that my life can be completely and utterly transformed purely by the grace of God and through trusting in you by faith. Lord, and that is not just the beginning, but that's the lifestyle of trusting you by faith, saying, Lord, will you come and uh, make in me, create in me a new heart? Change me from the inside out, Lord. That's the secret, I believe, to to every issue that we have with ourselves, Lord. Because out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks, Lord. It's not what goes into the, into the mouth that defiles a person, Lord. It's what comes out because it comes out of our heart, Lord. And I just want to pray, Lord, that we might be honest before you this morning. Lord, that we may just recognise if there's a check in our hearts, Lord, that we are not dealing with the heart We're just trying to change our way of life and put on even a facade because we're just caught up. Lord, help if there is anyone here or listening, Lord, that it feels like they're just caught up in an unreality and they can't escape. Lord, it's through that openness and honesty before you, Lord, that we start. We say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Father, that we be a church or we can be open in the proper context, Lord, with one another and be able to be open because we know we're loved, because we know, Lord, that it's not about perfection, it's not about works, but it's about the honesty of our heart, Lord, and the response to you by your Holy Spirit, 
Lord, enabling us to just live and to walk with you every day. So, Lord, keep us and guard us from legalism, Lord. Keep us and guard us from justifying sin, from creating loopholes, Lord, from creating some facade. But, Lord, may we be a people whose hearts are just burning and on fire for you. Lord, so I just want to thank you for the gospel. Lord, that we can come and lay our hearts before you now. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord. Let's just continue to just take a moment and just again allow that to sink in. We don't want to rush what God's maybe trying to speak to us and what he's trying to do in our hearts.